Welcome to Gripping Business Tales Australia, the podcast designed to help Australian businesses overcome the regular and real challenges of being a success. Now, here's your host, Murray Smith. Mark O'Donnell was recently announced as the new visionary for EOS Worldwide, the company that started it all with the entrepreneurial operating system. An internal appointment, Mark is also a certified EOS implementer. Mark is passionate about helping entrepreneurs get what they want from their businesses. His unique ability is to clarify and crystallise goals and objectives and to take immediate actionable steps to achieve them. Mark is a four-time Inc. 500 5000 entrepreneur with experience in high-growth organisations. Trained as an engineer, Mark's career has been defined by seeking to improve himself and others. In this episode, he discusses his journey to the visionary seat at EOS Worldwide and offers sage advice about how the relationship between a visionary and integrator in a business is key to success. Mark O'Donnell, welcome to Gripping Business Tales. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Uh, it's quite a, quite a thrill to have you on on the show, Mark, um, for lots of different reasons. Um, one is your experience as a, uh, an implementer, but now and coach, and now taking over a role of visionary of EOS worldwide. But we'll get to that in a minute. Sure. Like all uh, podcasts, we start with two questions. Mark, uh, can you give us one personal success and one professional success you've had recently? Yeah. So recently with COVID coming uh, into uh, the, the part of the United States I live in, Pennsylvania, uh, in March, uh, I started walking every day and it, with my wife and, and the kids and just really getting reconnected to the family. And, and we stopped running from practice to one sporting event to the other and really just started enjoying each other's uh, company. But the the side effect of all the walking led to me running, which led to me uh, losing 31 pounds since the start of, of COVID. Uh, so, you know, just a total, both psychological and relational uh, positive. And, uh, you know, it, it's, I have to say, even though um, COVID has many downsides to it, it's been great from a, per, a personal perspective from a health and relationship and and all that so uh that would be my my one uh my one personal which is pretty good yeah, <laughs> you know it's like i'm grateful to covid for right that yeah. this is a great way to start a conversation yeah. um so then from a professional side being named visionary and CEO of EOS Worldwide has just been, I'm super grateful to the community, to Kelly Knight, our integrator, and to my clients who have gone with me. I've been an implementer for six years and I had 30 clients, 34 clients when I, when I started the process of putting my name in for visionary. And it's just been really uh, great to to make that transition excited for our our future there so that's definitely my professional uh good news my professional best yeah fantastic 
Well, we, probably people are wondering who is this Mark O'Donnell guy who's talking about all things EOS as an implementer and, and now as visionary. Let's just uh, learn a bit more about you, Mark. What uh, Just give us a bit of a snapshot of you and, and where you've come from and how you ended up being where you are today. Sure. So my entrepreneurial story starts back in, in 2007. So my background is as a, an engineer and I owned a uh, pharma and biotech consulting company that my brother and I started in, in 2006, 2007. We grew that from the two of us to over 300 people in a very short amount of time. We made the Inc. 500, 5,000 list. So the Inc. magazine, and I'm not sure if you have it in Australia, yeah, so yeah. the fastest growing companies. So we made that list nine total times with four different companies. And Somewhere along the line, I think we had nine businesses at the time, we realized that we are succeeding in spite of ourselves, and we needed to find a common language. We would go to our office in one city to the next, and we had no idea what they were talking about. We owned the, the thing, right? So we needed to find a way to harmoniously orchestrate the ins and outs of those businesses. And so um, my brother uh, read Traction and said, hey, Mark, I think this is it. So I uh, read the book. And so it, it was funny because I actually read the first chapter and I just signed up for boot camp as a result of that wow. chapter. Because I figured, why well, read the rest of the book? I'm just going to go to boot camp. They'll teach me the book and then I'll save myself a bunch of time. Uh, you know, uh -huh. it, it's not an engineering then, approach. For sure. I mean, and, and, you know, I'm an engineer and I'm also my Colby profile is 2213. And so with, you know, just a high quick start, low fact finder, low follow through the opposite of what a yeah. happy engineer would look like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I fell in love with the community of EOS implementers, the tools and the process and decided that that was what I wanted to spend my time doing. And so I, um, after about two years Implementing EOS, we decided that, uh, or I decided that it was time for me to exit those companies and exited the day-to-day -day in 2015, and then ultimately sold all of the companies to a group of uh, private equity investors. And uh, then- yeah, Happy days. Pursued, yeah, yeah, for sure. So so that's the, that's the quick and dirty story there. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so a couple of questions coming out of that for me is- yeah. um, so what was the pain point in terms of, uh, you know, why, why did you, you and your brother decide, hey, we should, we should start something here? What was the gap that you were filling? And, and, and you know, pharma is not an easy business to get into. Right. <laughs> and Yeah, it's not. <laughs> so, so you must have been seeing something quite significant to, to want to take that, that jump and start your own thing. Can you recall what that was? Yeah. So it was funny because I, my brother and I both did not like, he's also an engineer and, and he, I was working at the time for a, a company GlaxoSmithKline. Mm -hmm. I, I spent most of my career at Johnson and Johnson made the switch to GlaxoSmithKline. He was a consultant for a mid-market engineering firm. And so, it, you know, this was 2000 summer of 2006 going into 2007 and he he was always the the one who kind of poked me. He knew I would just go yeah. do it uh, with my ten quick start. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so he was like, "We should just start our own company." And, and neither of us liked being engineers. Neither of us right. liked pharma. 
And we tried to start a bunch of different companies prior to that. We, we grew up in a way that lend itself to entrepreneurial thinking. <laughs> I was homeschooled. I didn't go to school for high school. Uh-huh. And we just traveled the world and and did whatever uh, we felt like doing. So uh, being tied down to pharma and, and yeah. engineering wasn't really a great fit. So we, we tried other companies, they all failed. But we we were really good engineers, and we knew what we were doing. My father was in the business yep. and had connections, and so we started that company. Just really because we thought, hey, what what's there to lose? And of course, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, we we started it, our company right in the beginning of the recession, but we didn't know the difference. Yeah, we didn't wrong. know as twenty nine year old entrepreneurs that you can't do this in the middle of a recession. Yeah. And so one of our, isn't it? Yeah. About when to start, like people say, oh, well, now's not the time or or whatever it is. It's always the time, isn't it? It's always the time. There's never a good time. There's never a bad time. Just go do it. Yeah. Uh, One of my mentors said, hey, Mark, you and your brother have the perfect mix of ignorance and ego. You, uh, You think you can, and you're too stupid to know that you can't. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it just sort of worked. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But this, so this, that was really the trigger point to just say, hey, we, we didn't, we wanted to start something and we just took the skill sets we had and yeah. created a business around that. Yeah, it's really important to understand that because when, you know, listeners hear this podcast, we often try to dive into even the implementers about what happens, what have they learned along the way before they became an implementer and in your case now visionary which we'll talk about in a minute sure. but there's, a, there's you mentioned there earlier about failures what did you learn from the failures of the businesses that that didn't work for you when you were setting them up what was the big learning out of that do you think i think the the number one thing the ones that didn't make it before we started the pharma company yeah is we didn't give it time and attention so i had a, a full-time job it, it wasn't within the sweet spot of what we could do. And yeah. what I mean by that is we tried, we did a construction company. We had the skill set, but we didn't have the, the marketplace, the connections and, and all the different things that we need. So they didn't work because all the components needed for a great startup weren't yeah. there. Yeah. We had the skills. Yes, but we had no connections. We had no money. Yeah. Uh, we had no time to actually market those those services. And so we were able to change that with the pharma business. We had the skill, we had the network, we had the time since we are in it. And that was enabled us to, to go yeah, and, right. and, and make it work. That's a really interesting observation. In terms of, um, you also mentioned about not loving engineering and so forth. And then doing something you really loved what was the difference between between you know doing your engineering work if you like and 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 running your own business that that was sort of you were more passionate about if you like was it so as an engineer in the pharmaceutical industry it's like being an engineer with one arm tied behind your back right so you 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 all your creativity is is stifled once a drug product is approved by the fda i mean it is a big hassle to change any little bit of that process right so 
you you live in a world of regulations and a world of innovation being constantly stifled and so um you know that that was just not where we wanted to live and so having a business that served pharma allowed us to actually serve our clients but be creative in the way we did that so our employees did all the 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 work that (laughs) was all regulatory related and and we were able to creatively grow that business uh, which was which was a lot of fun so it's it's really about driving towards what you're passionate about and it really is and living your best life if you like and and sort of breaking up your work into four quadrants which you might be familiar with very much (laughs) so yeah about what you like what you're good at and what you don't like and so forth so it's a really good thing to take away is you know make sure your business is set up in the right way and you're passionate about it and understand that and then move through with with your passion and what you're doing so it's a great story there i want to now sort of shift gears a bit and take you into the world you're now in which is eos worldwide and you mentioned earlier you're an implementer first and then became the visionary Mm -hmm. of maybe just explain uh how you feel about when you when you put in the, that application, if you like to be a visionary, what was going through your mind when you thought, "Yeah, I think I can do this"? Or was it more ignorance and ego, or was it something else that was, was, was driving you? <laughs> it, it might be more ignorance and ego, yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, you know, Murray, I think it everything flows into one another, and you know, t- even from starting those businesses, you, you mentioned the delegate and elevate tool mm. in the four quadrants of of love great and like good and don't Mm. like, but good and don't like not good. As we go through life, I call them divine hints. And you you experience something and all of a sudden you become really fascinated and motivated by that that thing. And and over time, then you be it becomes a love great. But then those things that are love great, they start to move to the right and they become like good. And then they become don't like, but good. And then they become don't like and not good. So things that you you would classify as love great when you're 16 years old are probably in your don't like, not good now. Yeah. And so my my journey to becoming visionary at EOS is, is just that path. And so I've been blessed with the opportunity to grow up in a place where I had no structure, none at all. If I was interested in something, I learned it. If I was, or I pursued it and nothing, no one, or, you know, there's no circumstances that really prevented me from, from doing that. So, you know, fast forward to me delegating and elevating out of my companies, then pursuing, following those divine hints, if you will, of becoming an implementer as when COVID happened. So uh, a little over a year ago, Mike Payton, who's a former uh, visionary at EOS Worldwide said he was stepping down. There was a lot of people who came to me within the EOS community and say, hey, you're next, right? And I was like, no, no, that's crazy. (laughs) That's crazy. Um, no, No particular interest. And over time, then leading into COVID, people kept coming to me and saying, hey, you, you really need to put your name in to become the next visionary. And 
I noticed, so COVID happened. I started doing lead now events with the leadership team, with CJ Dubayer, community leader, with Kelly Knighter, integrator. And these divine hints started coming up again. Like, oh, I was looking, I was more interested, more fascinated and motivated by a day with CJ and Kelly than I was with a client session. Right. Good sign. So, you know, there's the signs. They just started coming and implementer client sessions that were in love great started moving to like good. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they, they moved over. And then for some clients, they were actually in don't like, but good, right? Yeah. So, but over and over again, I kept seeing that that occur. And then the, the thing that stopped me was there was a big travel requirement actually for the visionary role. And for everybody to know that there's 2,500 applicants for this uh, position. And so there was wow. a tremendous amount of interest. Kelly Knight kept pinging me saying, hey, are you going to put your name in? Or are you going to put your name in? I'm like, no, nope, I'm not going to do it. Sorry. COVID happens. The travel requirement of 50% of the time uh, re requiring travel. She's like, hey, you know what? We, we don't need any travel. No one's traveling. So yeah. what does it matter? Mm -hmm. And we're finding that we can operate just great without yep. travel. And so I, I finally gave in. <laughs> <laughs> I gave in to all those divine hints and all the people providing them uh, and, and put my name in. And so through the interview process yep. was, was selected uh, in August of, of 2020 this year. So it's a, so the interesting part of, of the journey is now you find yourself in a visionary seat in an organization that you didn't found similar to, to Mike and others. Yeah. Now that's in a lot of cases in that, well, in the majority of cases in the EOS world, generally the founders are still around. That's right. And and and, in, and and generally sitting in that seat, unless they've decided to be in the sales seat or something like that. Right. What? How do you find sitting in the visionary seat for an organisation for which you didn't found? So I, I'm a big believer in taking 100% responsibility, whether it's created by you or or not. Right. So. Yeah. You, you come into an organization, an entrepreneurial one, a very entrepreneurial one. Yeah. And I've been so ingrained in the, in the thinking and of every component of what EOS is from an implementer's point of view, then a coaching and head coach point of view, that it doesn't feel, it doesn't really feel that different. Yes, there's some history that I don't know which we have navigation meetings with Gino and, and Mike Payton to, to get caught up on. But to be honest, it doesn't feel any different than when I was working in companies that I did start. Mm -hmm. I, I've always had partners in my businesses. So I was never the sole, you know, my brother, you know, we were 50, 50 partners. Yep. Then we did a few mergers and then it was me and three others. And so this is just very similar to that. It's very collaborative. Um, while I am a, a flaming visionary, if you will, um, it's just the role I play on a team that yep. runs the business. So it, it just doesn't feel odd or strange or there, as with every entrepreneurial company, there's things that shouldn't have been done that way, but are, uh, and you're like, oh, okay, well, not a problem. Let's, let's just go fix it. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's um, really interesting, but it's, 
also leads to a few other questions here. You mentioned navigation meetings. Could you tell us a bit more about, about what you mean by navigation meetings and, and their value? Yeah, sure. So because, again, because I'm not uh, the founder, there's some, and replacing two visionaries, uh, what has happened over time is that Kelly Knight has been meeting with Gina Wickman and Mike Payton on a regular cadence and pulse to directionally be on the same page, understand why we do it this way, understand yep. the, the thoughts and opinions, the decisions that were made in the context in which they were made. Yep. So Kelly Knight replaced Don Tinney as the integrator and so forth and so on. So we, the value there is to just understand the historical context. It doesn't mean that they're telling us what to do or that we take their advice. It's just for us to hear how the decisions were made, why, what was going on at yep. the time and take it or leave it really. So you, you're essentially transferring corporate knowledge. That's right. Yeah. And, and that's something we don't often see in a lot of businesses that aren't using EOS. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's um, the same page meeting essentially yeah, is what it is. We build yeah. the issues list. We yeah. add yes, we check out. Right. Yeah. Um, it's a great, it is succession planning done very well. Yeah. And I wanted to take you on with that a little bit further is, so you've come into the role as visionary, um, your, your role there, uh, what are you hoping to achieve over the next period of time for which, while you're filling that, that role of EOS visionary, what, you know, if you were to sum that up quickly, what is it that you want to achieve? Yeah. So there's, there's really five things. Yep. So number one is digital transformation. And what we mean by that is EOS is a in-person organization. We use paper binders, yep. all of that. Uh, and, and, you know, we will never go, we'll never believe that there's little or diminished value in human connection being face-to-face. -face. Yep. We will always be a company that believes in, the power of writing and slowing your brain down yep. and, and taking time to think. But there's ways that we can do that from a digital perspective using things like the Apple Pencil and, and other mm -hmm. types of things like that. Uh, virtual sessions. Can We've been we've done over uh, 9,000 virtual sessions at this point. It's actually probably be closer to 10,000 by the end of this quarter, if not more which is two times more than any other coaching company out in the world. So we're getting really good at this. And so there's some standard tools that we need to, to have. Mm -hmm. Then we have two licensed software partners and that's the, those are really good tools. We need to have something that is EOS pure. That is exactly how we teach it. And that's just a, a simple, elegant solution that, that we own. And so we'll be doing that as well. And yep. so that's all part of the digital transformation. The, the second component is, is branding. And you'll appreciate this as uh, from, from Australia and APAC in general, is that we're a North American, not even North American, we're a United States-based organization. So our brand is all around that. Our, and so as we internationalize, everything and really globalize the language and the brand and really spend some marketing dollars. Uh, oddly enough, EOS worldwide to date has not spent any money in marketing. Wow. And we've been doing that 
recently and you saw with lead now we have a great marketing leader in pam kasanke mm-hmm. and so um really looking at the brand mm-hmm. the the third thing is our business model as we grow we need to ensure that our business model is scalable we've been growing very fast we've been seeing some some fragmentation in the business model itself and so we need to firm that up and ensure that it's infinitely scalable Implementer support packages, the the fourth thing, which is really, we have 390 plus implementers in the world, EOS community members, professional and certified EOS implementers, and really ensuring that they have everything they need to just do great work with their clients and enable them to live what we call the EOS life. And then the finally, the fifth thing is international expansion. And we have APAC, which has started, how many community members do you have now? Uh, just, I think it's around 20 or 21 at the moment. So, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. And then we have uh, Europe. So we're starting uh, there as well. And it's really about supporting them and, and helping you grow your community and surrounding yourself. And there's a little bit of a momentum thing going where the more implementers you get, the more clients you get, the more clients you get, the more implementers you get. And so Mm. it's a flywheel. And so that's, that's our five really major objectives. It's really interesting that you you say that because, you know, people say, oh, this is a bit of an, you know, you're just talking about EOS worldwide, but if I read out what you've just described as in digital transformation, brand awareness, making your business model scalable, support the workers and expand uh, the business. Yeah. That's equally applicable to, to most businesses. To really anywhere, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so there's a lesson there in terms of people that are listening to this, taking away, you know, the, the, the things that you're focusing on are not any, not dissimilar to most other businesses that want to make a difference and want to, want to grow. So it's a really good lesson there. I just want to take you through that, not in great detail, but I just want to ask you as, so you've, you've got, you've had 34 odd companies that you were currently working with and, yeah. and, and a lot more than that, that you have worked with. Sure. And you've seen lots of visionaries in your time. Mm-hmm. What do you think uh, in terms of the role that you're filling now and, 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 and the roles that you've seen of people filling in visionary seats, what do you, what mistakes have you seen that are probably the biggest ones that visionaries can make in their companies? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a great question. The, the number one thing I believe that a visionary makes a mistake on is they don't have the right integrator. Yeah. They take a run at hiring the right one and, and it doesn't quite work out. And so they keep them around for way too long and they sometimes they don't even try a second time. And so when we talk about finding your puzzle piece now, my situation is different that normally a visionary is going out looking for an integrator. I had an integrator going out looking for her puzzle piece visionary, right? Yeah. But it's the same deal. Like you just have to keep going until you find the right integrator. The second you have that right integrator, it's amazing. Let me tell you, (laughs) Kelly Knight is just a, a absolute blessing to this organization. Um, We're an, a visionary can be free to live in that top left quadrant yeah. to think strategically to not then not have to worry about the details, not 
try to to micromanage, to think people are going too slow, to um, be disruptive. Uh, visionaries just tend to be disruptive because we're we are hard drivers, we're pushers, uh, sometimes perfectionists, and nothing's ever good enough or fast enough. When you have that right partner to do that, uh, really the the, the, the clouds part and the angels sing. <laughs> yeah. And what would be so the that's one... the number one mistake that people make is just, they just don't. Yeah. And it, you talk about understanding the right puzzle piece. What do you yeah. think? I know it's hard to do this in terms of a question, but what do you think is the one question that a visionary should ask someone who's, who they're thinking to put in the integrator seat that will, that will reveal that the most? I know it won't reveal it in, in its entirety, but there's generally a few thing, few questions or one question that can sort of identify that. Um, what do you think that might be in terms of identifying the right vision uh, integrator? That's a very good question. And I, and I don't necessarily know how to answer that sure. one. That's a toughie. Okay. You know, when I, when I would think about that and from my client experience, when, when you have, a integrator that is willing to be a great thinking partner yeah. of yours. Yeah. And by thinking partner, it's not just an agreeable conversation. It's a true relationship and partnership where you're giving some ideas, they're building on it. In a lot of ways, as Dan Sullivan talks about an entrepreneurial project manager, which is very similar to an integrator, is the visionary is making it up. The integrator is making it real. Yeah, right. So you're just building on, so the, and they're, they're pushing back. They're saying, well, I don't think that's going to work or yeah, that sounds great. And so it's just this, are you willing to, to push back and be my thinking partner? You, it's not going to work if you just are waiting for, you know, the visionary to tell the integrator what to do. If, if I'm, if I'm hiring an integrator and well, you just tell me what to do and I'll go do it. Yep. That's not going to work. Yeah. You got to be a, a, a thinking partner on a equal playing field. Yeah. Well, and I know that doesn't exactly answer your question. No, no, no. I'll get you in a ballpark of, of yeah, yeah. the type of relationship. No, that's fantastic. Well, on that note, Mark, I think we've, we've, we've delved into you enough. I really appreciate you coming on. <laughs> yeah. my pleasure. It's been fantastic. Uh, it's great, great discussion there about the role of visionary and integrator, which is, one of the more difficult ones to, to navigate. So thanks very much for giving your insights on that. I really yeah, appreciate welcome. your time coming on Gripping Business Tales. So th thanks very much. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to another great episode of Gripping Business Tales. Please remember to subscribe and to rate the podcast. And to start your EOS journey, contact me at grip6.com.au and I look forward to helping you get what you want from your business.